Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We had a service Wednesday night. Some of you were here and um, talked about fruit and uh, New Year fruit, fruit for the New Year. And uh, Brother Jeffrey was just praying and uh, Brother Sean's song. And uh, man, just the opportunity that God has given us now. Uh, man, another a fresh start, New Year. Uh, what are you going to do for Him? Or what more are you going to do for Him? Uh, he has done something for us that we could never repay. And it's not about trying to repay, but it's again, uh, we are no longer ours. We're bought with a price, and we have this great privilege of serving the King of Kings. And so uh, I hope that you're encouraged, hope that you're strengthened. I, I know that many of us in this room, uh, as a church, are going through several different things, not just one thing, but several different things in your life. And I shared with the, with the praise team this morning, we were uh, praying, and, and it just it, there's just so much going on. And I, I want to encourage you as a church as well, I believe that God has got something great ahead of us. Um, the enemy is, is attacking, but I also believe the Lord is testing and trying. And he's, he's trying to strengthen our faith through the trials. That's what he does with trials. That's his purpose to it. Uh, the enemy's desire is to destroy us, to keep us uh, from giving anything for the Lord. The enemy's desire is to uh, keep us discouraged and, and not wanting to do things for the Lord. Uh, but if we'll let God have his complete work in us, and I think there's something amazing ahead, not only just in your family and your life, but in our church. And, um, but it's going to be through faith. It's going to be through strong faith. It's not going to come through comfort. It's not going to come through apathy. It's going to come through us pressing into the Lord and pressing forward for his kingdom. And so uh, I'm excited for 2019. Uh, again, it's, it's difficult because there is so much going on. And uh, I feel that not only just in, in, in y'all's lives, but also in in our lives and in church, and so, um, man, uh, it's got to be something awesome. The Lord's got to have something awesome in store, and I believe He does. So, uh, well, we're going to continue on with this. I, I went back and forth. I began preparing something specifically for this morning, uh, and the Lord would not let me do that. Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to cover this, the second point of what we talked about last week, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we looked at what Joseph's brothers, if, you're, if you've been with us, you know what's going on. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been covering the lineage of Joseph and, and now starting to cover his life. Uh, he's got 11 brothers, and they are not happy with him. They don't like him. Matter of fact, the word in the scripture is they hate him. And last week we saw him go to them. After bringing an evil report against the older brothers, he goes to them and he shares with them this great dream that God has given to him. And the Bible says that they hated him even more than they did before when he shared this dream with them. And we're going to cover the dream this morning, uh, but when we get to that and we cover that dream, some of you, many of you probably know what the dream is already, uh, but if you don't, we're going to get to that, and you'll see why brothers who already had a problem with, with uh, Joseph, him and his coat of many colors, uh, his favored position with his dad, uh, you can, you'll see why they don't like the fact that he was sharing this dream with them. Uh, but that's what he did. He told them this dream, and they hated him the more, uh, the Bible said. And so I shared that uh, last week that in ministry, unfortunately, I've learned that there are some people who don't have the capacity. Or maybe they have the capacity, but they just choose 
not to, for some reason, uh, rejoice in other people's successes and other people's blessings. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. Um, I, I'm not wired like that, and, and I'm not trying to say that in a pious way. I'm just simply saying uh, I don't understand when, when brothers or sisters in Christ can't look at God doing something good for another brother and sister in Christ and, and, and not be like, man, praise God, that's awesome. I mean, I get the flesh, I get the tendency of, man, I wish that would happen to me, or I wish that, I wish I could have that. I mean, I get the flesh's tendency to, to be pulled that way, but not to let it rule you to where you can't rejoice in somebody else's blessings or successes. Sometimes people, it seems that they just simply refuse uh, to do that. And so the charge on the back side of that is if some people don't have the capacity to rejoice in other successes or blessings, uh, or they choose not to, the charge is we must. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we must rejoice in other people's blessings and their successes. Not only is it a command that the Bible tells us to, to obey, it says rejoice with them that do rejoice. That's a charge. That's a command. It's imperative. You, who are Christians, need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, other Christians who are rejoicing. Not only is it a command, but it's also healthy. This is something that is spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally healthy for us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Not only is it healthy, but as health breeds life, life brings about fruit. So there are blessings that come to us that would not otherwise come to us. If we didn't rejoice in others' blessings, then sometimes I think that's where we miss some of the blessings that we, when we see the blessings in somebody else's life and we see what they're going through and they're like, man, it seems like nothing's wrong with our life. It seems like nothing ever is bad. It seems like everything is always good. And we get envious or we get jelly, 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 we get jelly or we get bitter um, uh, about that. Man, we miss all the blessings that could be if we were more like, praise God for that. Man, we are not experiencing that. I don't know what that's like. But because I love you so sincerely as my brother and sister in Christ, I'm so happy that you're getting to experience that. And when we're like that, I believe that opens up our lives for God to pour in blessings that he wouldn't have poured in if we wouldn't have followed that command and, again, just had that, that simple love uh, for our brothers and sisters. We looked at a couple of scriptures uh, that kind of gave us this idea of how people can, can do that. We looked at Jesus. We looked at Paul. Remember, Jesus said uh, that there are going to be greater works that you will do. And Jesus wasn't bitter about that. He was God in the flesh. He wasn't upset that his disciples, that his church, he said, yeah, but it was for his kingdom, it was his purpose. He benefited from it in the end anyways. But he wasn't the one. He, was, he would be the one, and he is still today the one doing it, but physically in the flesh doing it. He was telling them, you're going to get to go to further places. And we saw that Jesus never got outside the boundaries of Israel. He never left the borders of Israel. I mean, other than when he was a kid and, and, and was taken to Egypt, but he and his ministry never left the borders of Israel. But we know today, standing or sitting here in North America, in the United States of America, 2,000 years later, the work that was started by Jesus has been far exceeded the, exceeding the boundaries of Israel for thousands of years. And so, uh, again, we are extreme uh, recipients of great blessings 
uh, because of that. Again, he could have done that. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison many times, talking about how he's rejoicing for other Christians and what they're getting to experience while he's shut up in prison, while he's getting beaten and, and, and persecuted. Other believers were getting to experience some of the fruit and the joy and the blessings of having relationships with each other and, and, and the gospel going forth. Paul wasn't bitter about that. He was exciting and rejoicing in what God was doing in their lives. And Paul said because of that, he was full. He could rejoice because they had the blessings of God. And again, we looked at that and say, how can some people do that? How is it that some people have this amazing capacity to rejoice in other people's blessings and successes even when their life is in shackles and in, 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 in pieces in sometimes? How, how could people like Paul and, and, and Jesus and, and, and other people even in our church, how can they be struggling with so much yet every time something good happens to somebody else, they are the first ones to be like, praise God, sincerely. That's such an amazing blessing that you're getting blessed like that. Amen. Not from a spiteful, not from a jealous place, but from a sincere place of love and rejoicing for a brother and sister in Christ. And I share that I believe that source is, of course, Jesus Christ. They were drinking, they, they drank from a source that enabled them to rejoice in others' blessings regardless of what they were going through. Again, I believe that source was finding their absolute substance in Jesus Christ. And I share that Paul said that. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die would be gain, but my whole life is Christ. I have no life outside of Christ. He is my life. And so that's where he drew from. That's the source that he had in his life. So when he looked at his trials, when he looked at his tribulations, when he looked at his persecution, when he looked at his losses, when he looked at the people betraying him and running off back to the world instead of serving the Lord with him, when he looked at all these things, he was still able to say, and I praise God, not only for what I get to endure for the cause of Christ, but I praise God that he's doing a work in their lives that's abundant and that's, that's great. And so... Uh, this week, we're going to move forward, and I think for this new year, and I, maybe this is why the Lord wouldn't allow me to do the other message that I was, I was starting to prepare for, uh, because I think this is such an imperative thing looking at a new year, uh, this, this second point that we'll see in our notes, and so uh, let's pray, and we'll look at it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, again, the opportunity we have to gather in your name. Um, Lord, I, um, I just think about the song uh, Brother Sean sang, um, we're not perfect but we are redeemed. And um, Lord, you, you did a work for us in, while we were yet sinners in, in, in our transgressions. Lord, you, you died for us. You paid the cost. You shed blood, the only blood that's sufficient to wash away our sins, to pay our sin debt, to take us from condemnation and death and judgment to life. Lord, we, we can never repay you. There's nothing we could ever say, there's nothing we could ever do to thank you enough to give back to you all that you've done for us. But I pray that we would spend our lives trying. I pray that we would, we would take every single day as a blessing from you to be able to live for you in a way that advances your cause and not our own. Lord, help us to see your purpose. Help us to see your plan. Help us not try to fit you into ours, but help us to submit to yours. And I pray that you would just move, not only today, but in this next year. Lord, if you give us another 12 months on this earth, 
I pray that we'll be able to look back at the end of 2019 and say that we, we gave so much more than we did the year before. Lord, we serve so much more than we did before. Lord, we, we sacrifice for you and your kingdom so much more. Because I know that, that life is a life of reward in eternity. Lord, you promised that. And so help us to see with eternal vision. Help us to see what you want for us to see and hear this morning. Those, those who have ears to hear, Lord, I pray that we would hear what you have to say to us. Lord, speak through me just as a vessel that you would be glorified alone. And Lord, of course, as we've prayed, we'll continue to pray. If there's someone that's lost, they don't have a personal, intimate relationship with you. Lord, help them see the need of that this morning. Before they leave, I pray that they would grab somebody, they'd talk to somebody and say, I want to have that relationship. I want to go to heaven when I die. Lord, just move this morning. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we saw, again, some people don't have the capacity or they choose not to rejoice in other people's successes or blessings. But again, a very important point for this new year, some people don't have the capacity to or they have chosen not to, this is point number two, rejoice in God's plans and be a part. Some people don't have the capacity to rejoice in what God has in store, what God has commissioned us to do or God has charged us to do. Some people don't have that capacity to say, man, that's exciting. I want to be a part. And so they don't, they don't join themselves to it. A lot of people approach the things of God, and even the, which includes the church, of course. We are the, the body of Christ. That's the, the most pronounced thing of God that we can see on this earth is the church. And so um, change lives, people, people as members of, of the body of Christ. But uh, some people look at this, this body, this, this living organism of the body of Christ, the, the church, and they view it more as a spectator. They view it more as a fan. They view it more as a consumer than, than they see it as a part of what they are. And, 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 and so they miss out on so much of what God has in store and what God is doing. And, 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 I, and I see these uh, sometimes emptiness, this, this emptiness, not, not the fulfillment, that this abundant life that Jesus Christ promised to his church, to his people. But an emptiness, a, a lack of fulfillment as being a part of the church. And, and, and it's because I, I think so many people approach the church like that. They approach the church like what is going to entertain me today? What can I consume today? What can keep my attention, keep my interest perked? What, what, what is in store for me instead of seeing it the way that Jesus designed it? And so that's why I think so many Christians, even, even Christians that have been Christians for a long time, find themselves disenchanted with the church. Being able to just set it aside at will. It's not important, not at least as important as other elements in my life. And so when, when we look at the church the wrong way, we look at what God is doing and his plans, and, and we have the wrong approach, the wrong mindset, wrong heart set, then I think we miss so much in our lives as the followers of Christ. So much. And it's interesting, you can see some people that seems like they can't get enough of connecting with other believers Right? You, you see, like, like some people, they can't get enough of, of hearing the Word of God, of sharing the Word of God, of praying with other Christians, of worshiping the Lord with other people, of, of, of sharing Christ. It's like some people can't get enough, and then it seems like even some, some people who have been Christians for a long time can just, I mean, I can take it or leave it. I know what it says. I know what it's about. 
I've been a part of it for a long time. And they can just kind of discard it. And I'm thinking, something's up with that. Have we lost the appetite for spiritual things? Have we gained a a taste for the things of this world again, the things that we were saved from? That no longer the things of God make us want more of the things of God? I look at new Christians. I don't want to point any out to embarrass anybody, but we have some in our church, and, and, and it's like they cannot get enough, just like a baby, right? Sometimes you, 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 you stick that bottle in that baby's mouth, and they eat, and then it, what happens? A couple, couple uh, hours later, they want it again. You're like, they just ate. Why, why do they want to eat again, you know? And, and, and I think that when somebody truly and sincerely gets saved, their life is transformed. They have this hunger for the things of God. They want to know more. So they know how to live, and they know how to please the God that just redeemed them from the great sin they were, they were living in. They want to know, what, what now does my life look like? I'm a servant of the king. I'm redeemed. I'm on my way to heaven. What do I do? I want to know. And it seems like once we get to that place where we figure out what we're supposed to be doing, we become this judge and jury of our own life. Eh, I've done that before. I used to go and, and, and do that. I used to talk to people about it. I used to read my Bible. Like we, We've come to this place where we no longer hunger and thirst for the things of God. Again, maybe it's because we began to, to nibble at the table or to feast at the table of the world once again. And similar to things like sugar. We had this conversation the other day. Sugar is very addictive. And you don't realize how much of a grip it has on your life until you try to get rid of it. And that's what happens, I think, with us as Christians. Sometimes we begin to just have that little... It's not super sweet, that little Nilla wafer or something. And then, well, there's a chocolate chip cookie. We start eating that, and, 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 spiritually speaking. And then we start, I mean, well, a banana pudding, that's not, I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat a bowl or two of that, and then I'm going to make you real hungry. And then apple pie, and then, well, I just keep eating, well, just, it's not that big of a deal. Well, I'll just have a piece, and then I'll have a pie. And then, you know, that's the way it happens. But I think that's what happens even in our Christian lives. We begin to, ah, I don't think I have to do all of that. I mean, when I was first saved, I thought I had to be at everything and had to read the Bible all the time and had to pray to God all the time. And, and, and I wanted to, but now I, I kind of know what the Bible says. And, and I've been in church for a long time. And, and I know what they're going to do at church service today. And, and, and like, instead of knowing that God has an amazing plan that's alive and it's active, and it's real, and it flows in and through his church, his people, we, we kind of approach it as a spectator, as a fan. Yeah, I don't feel like going to the game today. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like being a part of that or being a part of this. Like something's happened. Our taste has changed, or maybe we've ad- adopted a taste for something we used to have before, again, in the world. Imagine what could have been or what the brothers could have missed of Joseph if they had rejoiced in what God was doing through their brother Joseph. Imagine what they could have been a part of the whole way. Because if this was God's ordained plan, I know that God used it, he worked it, he did exactly what was in his plan, even through great tragedy and great loss for Joseph, 
Again, we'll see what he goes through to get to where God was taking him, which, by the way, is going to be a good message for us to, to have as a church because, again, a lot of us are going through a lot of bad things, and sometimes we think it's just got to end. Listen, there's coming a day it'll end. I don't know when it's going to be. It may be an eternity, but it's going to end. But God's doing something through our trials, just like he, he's going to do it in, in Joseph's life. But the brothers could have been a part of what God was doing. But instead, they missed it. Instead, they were full of jealousy. They were full of envy. They were full of spite. They, they were full of hatred. And that was controlling their lives. And so, because it was controlling their lives, they missed out on what God was doing. And I, I want to share with you this morning, or encourage you this morning, don't be like the brothers. Don't be so consumed with yourself. Don't be so consumed with what you want. Don't be consumed with your plan. Don't be so, because that's what happened to the brothers. <laughs> You're our younger brother. We're not to bow down to you. We'll see that. They had their own thought of what life should be. They had their own thought of what they wanted for their life. Instead of saying, you know what, if God's done this, we'll yield to it. Instead of seeing it like that, they were made up. This is how our life is going to be, and we will not do that. And because they were filled with that instead of faith and trust in the Lord, they missed so much of what could have been. Again, we'll see this in future messages, but some of you know what they could have been a part of. I think it's in chapter 42 that we'll get to it and kind of see where, where it comes around to. But the question that I have is, again, we talked about hatred, we talked about strife, we, we talked about spite, we talked about jealousy, we talked about envy. But the point is, some people don't have the capacity to, or they choose not to, rejoice in the plans of God and be a part. So again, as I've already preached a little bit on this. The question is very clear. Why can't they? What is that foundational problem what why can't some people have the capacity to do this why why can't some people or why do some people simply choose not to rejoice in what God's plans are and then join themselves to that I think the first thing is this in your notes I think the first problem the reason why some people can't and some people choose not to is a spiritual disconnect a spiritual disconnect So as much as I know, and I'm not boasting in this, but I, I, I just because of the nature of, of what I've done in ministry, um, I, I've, I've done stuff uh, with, well, I'll be, I was the young guy on the block for the longest time, um, and so all the technology flowed to me. And so I had to learn how to, how to do certain things and, and uh, do things that I had no experience or expertise in, just by God's grace, some of those things worked. And Brother Jake came along, and things got better. <laughs> And then since then, brother, other people, Brother Tom, we got great, Brother Joe, great men who are uh, way more technologically advanced than I am. Um, but I have, I feel, I feel like I've got a little bit of a grip on, on how technology works. Uh, but if I were to take a trip to a microchip plant and walk in there and see all their clean rooms and their, and, and their computers and their, and their equipment, and all those things out there, I wouldn't have a clue of what was going on. I would have to ask questions. I would have to try to figure out. And, and not only that, that would just be on the surface level. 
that wouldn't be all the programming that would go behind all of the machines and all of the robotics and all of the other things that were making these things happen from what I was seeing. I would be lost. I'd be like, wow, this is crazy. I'm just, I'm just not, I just don't understand that. Oh, right here. Oh, okay, that's a microchip. I, 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 I get that, but I don't necessarily know all of how it works or how it came to be. But I might be familiar with some of the stuff. But I would say this, in the end of it all, I wouldn't necessarily have to be frustrated that I didn't know how it all worked. You know why? Because I'm disconnected from that. I'm only connected to it in how it benefits me in the end. You understand what I'm saying? I could be disconnected from that microchip plant every day of my life. As long as this works. <laughs> right? That, that's how we live our lives. Like, I mean, I, I get some people, they, they want to pry this open and tear it apart and, and, and look at all the intricate things. But most of us, what do we do? We just buy it. It's cool. It's fast. It takes pictures and videos. We get text. We do the end product. That's what we're all interested in and and when it doesn't work do we say aha it must be a capacitor connected to we don't do that we say i'm gonna take it back to the store let them deal with it and then they can ship it back to the plant because i'm disconnected from it i just want the thing to work Again, all that matters in this regard would, would be how it benefits me or how it benefits us. But again, that's at a disconnected level. That, that's, that's, and, and as connected as we think that we are, I mean, unless you're a microchip engineer, unless you're a software uh, designer or computer programmer that makes these things happen to design and the hardware, the robotics behind it, to make all this stuff come into to, to fruition, then you're disconnected too. You may even know how to program and all that kind of stuff, but as far as assembling the thing that actually works, there's a disconnect. But please hear me this morning. Some people experience the things of God like that. Some people experience the plan of God like that. I don't really know all what's going on. I don't really, I mean, oh, there's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on in church. A lot of stuff people are doing. I, I think I heard about the praying sometimes. I know they go out and share. I mean, but all that really matters is when I come in here for a service, how is the temperature? Am I going to be able to be entertained enough to stay awake? That's how some people approach the things of God. Only the end product. And, and beyond just a church service, that's how somebody approach, some people approach their relationship with the Lord in the broader kingdom of God. They just kind of do what they want to do. And all that really matters is as long as I go to heaven when I die. Wow. Wow. Maybe attending worship is almost like a field trip to a microchip plant to you. 
maybe living as a Christian is kind of like taking a field trip to a microchip plant. I'm disconnected, yeah, I get it, no big deal, because in the end I know I'm going to heaven. But how much of the wonder and majesty of the process, of the journey, of the production, are you missing in the kingdom of God? I'm not production as far as the world's turns. I'm talking about what God is producing in people and through people, the fruit of the kingdom of God. How much of the wonder and majesty along the journey are you missing the depth, the vastness, the, 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 the greatness of the spiritual life along the way that God has in store? Again, those who work in a microchip plant, guess what most of them have as well? Right? I would say that. I mean, they say that the majority of people today have at least a cell phone, but even most people have smartphones. There's smartphones in third world countries. But these people that work in the microchip plant who have these devices, they have a deeper fulfillment in being a part of the inner workings, being a, a part of the production, being a part of what what happens to bring about the end product and so for them there's a deeper connection there's a better understanding I think that there would be a, a greater handling and appreciation even when things went wrong because of that we look in scripture in the New Testament we see that many people follow Jesus's ministry from afar there were times that some people didn't get what the 12 got there were times that the 12 didn't get what the inner circle of three got. But when we look at how some of these people, uh, people followed Jesus in his ministry, there were at times multitudes following him, and there were at times multitudes that would turn their backs and walk away from what Jesus was doing. You know why they did that? Because they were fans, and they weren't really on the team. They were, they were watching the show. They were, they were observing, and they were like, man, cool. Hey, I've got a family member sick. I'll be right back. I'm going to bring them. So kind of, the family member gets, gets healed. This is great. Man, this is amazing. What an amazing show. I love this. Man, everybody's got to come see Jesus. But they, they weren't connected to who he was and what he was doing. The way that God intended. They, they were observing it at a distance. You can go to a movie. You can go to a game, a sports game. You can go to a theater and watch a play. You can be a fan. And matter of fact, you can be a devoted fan. And I know that we've got a lot of devoted fans in our church, certain teams. You can know the names of every player on the roster. You can know in the professional, I mean, you might even know in the college ranks too what everybody makes. Nobody got that. You could know the salaries of all the players, of all the, the coaches. You could, you could know the ownership. You could know everything. But guess what? No matter how much you know, no matter how devoted you are as a fan, guess what you are not? You are not on the team. 
It doesn't matter. I mean, unless you actually go and make the team, get the uniform, wear it, play in the game, practice with the team, you're not on the team. You could be the most devoted fan, the most knowledgeable fan, the most connected fan. You could go all the rallies, you could, go to every, you could do everything you could do, but you're still not on the team. And those who have been either, maybe you've acted before, or maybe you've been, or maybe you're part of a, a management team now, or maybe you're part of a workforce team, uh, maybe you are uh, a part of a, some type of sports team, or maybe your kids are, or, 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 but you have the experience of what, of what it is to be on a team. You know there is an absolute different experience and appreciation for the win when you're actually a part of the team and helping the team accomplish it versus when you're a fan. No matter how connected you are, you are still disconnected. I mean, you, again, you can be connected as a fan, but you're disconnected as a teammate. No matter how connected you are, you're still disconnected. So I believe disconnect, spiritual disconnect, is a big reason some people can't or some people choose not to rejoice in the plans of God and be a part of it. They're just not connected. It doesn't resonate with them. They're, they're, they're observing the things of God. They're approaching the things of God as, as an observer, as a fan, as a field trip uh, through a microchip plant. They're, they're, they're just looking at things like that. And there may be times as a fan that they get more excited about what's going on with the team than others. I mean, they may, be, they may get pumped up at times. Man, we, we saw six people baptized at church today. Praise God. They may, as a fan, put it on Facebook. They may do, but they're watching it from a distance. It may get them stirred up. It may get them excited. But they know also they're not connected to that. They're not a part. As a note, disconnection could be a sign of, of two things, I believe. The first thing disconnect, spiritual disconnect can be a, a sign of is a previous connection gone dry, which um, is what I was talking about a while ago, where maybe you've been a Christian for a while and used to have this hunger and thirst for the things of God, and it used to be connected at every level, possible level. You couldn't pray enough, you couldn't read enough, you couldn't worship enough, you couldn't fellowship enough, you couldn't, you couldn't give enough, you couldn't sacrifice enough, you couldn't do en enough. It was, it was everything you were, but then all of a sudden, right now, you find yourself in a place where that connection feels a little dry. So I think that there's a spiritual disconnect because it's a previous connection, good connection, that's gone dry. But the second reason I think there's a spiritual disconnect is there's never been a connection before. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But the first reason... Some people can't rejoice in God's plan was spiritual disconnect, okay? Two reasons for spiritual disconnect. But the second reason in your notes that people can't or choose not to rejoice in God's plans and be a part is roadblocks. Roadblocks. I think these roadblocks play a part in those who are disconnected right now, those who were previously connected and, 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 and now aren't connected anymore. So I, I want to, please listen, if you're here and you feel like that's, that's where I am, I feel like what you've described about taking a field trip, I feel like that, that what you've talked about being a fan, about seeing what's going on but not feeling like I'm a part, I feel like that's me. I feel like at one point in my life, though, I was. Then this is for you. Second reason that people can't or people choose not to, be, to rejoice in the plans of God and be a part, I think, not only spiritual disconnect, but the spiritual disconnect. How did it come about? Roadblocks. 
roadblocks to rejoicing for others, but also for rejoicing in the work of God and being a part. The first thing I would say, we've already seen it in this, is jealousy. Jealousy. Sometimes people, it just happens. Our flesh is weak, right? And, and, and it just may happen. We, we start going through some negative things, and it seems like other people are going through some really good things. And, and before we know it, there's this jealous bug that kind of creeps up inside of us. And we're like, I don't really want that there. But we don't do anything about it. We leave it there. And it begins to linger in our life. And so this element of jealousy remains. And so anytime something happens to somebody else good, spiritually, earthly, we just struggle with, with saying, man, that's awesome. And so the disconnect is, is fostered. Another reason why, and it can be coupled with all these things can be coupled together, is pride. Maybe we just think that we've become a little bit more mature. Maybe we've become a little too mature. As I said a while ago, we used to do all those things. We used to be connected to the church in every single aspect. But we've come along. Have we really come along? Has, Has pride Maybe, maybe, maybe it's that, maybe it's on the flip side. Maybe, well, I used to do those things, and I haven't done those things in so long, I just don't want somebody to think bad about me. Pride. I, I, I just don't want, what about what God wants? What about what God looks at? The Bible talks about living that life that's pleasing to him. Paul talked about that, that we may be approved of him. Approved workmen needeth not to be ashamed we need, we need to make sure that these things aren't in our life. Jealousy, pride, but then that, again, can be coupled with selfishness. Selfishness. We, see, this is how the enemy works, right? It just takes one time. Usually it takes one time. Sometimes two. To give into the flesh and make it a little bit easier. Right? You're just not feeling like doing something at one time, and so you don't do it one time. Even though you said, well, I know I probably should be at Sunday school today, but I just don't feel like it. I know I, know I probably should do this, but I, 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 don't, I don't know that I'm really tired. And so you do it once, and guess what it makes the second time? A little easier. You know what it makes the third time? A little bit easier. And the fourth time, even easier. And it becomes just, a, why, why is that possible? Because the, the Bible's clear on this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so as soon as we say, you know, because you've heard me say this maybe hundreds of times, the, the spiritual thing to do is typically always the more difficult thing to do. Because we're in earthly bodies, and we live in an, in an earthly world, and we have worldliness and sin all around us. And so it's just a little easier in these vessels to do the earthly or fleshly thing. The spiritual thing to do typically is a little harder. It's that battle within us. We have to, have to yield to the Spirit, and then we have to make sure that that flows through our actions. It's just a little harder to do the spiritual thing. But we can get selfish. I don't really feel like doing this. I don't really want to do this. Well, I know that that's what you say. Well, quit saying that. What does God say? Quit saying, well, I know what that, they believe this. or I think, 
what does God say? And don't make it say what you want him to say. What does God say? That's what we as followers of Christ should be evaluating our lives by. What does God say? Well, you ask for everything. I mean, then let's stop trying to give him less. Selfishness can be a roadblock for us rejoicing and being a part in the things of God. Similar to that is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. We become completely focused on, our, on ourselves. Again, very similar to selfishness. I want this, but it's only about me. I, 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 me, me, me. Centered on self. Galatians 5 says this. I have the ESV version just because the way it's worded. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Don't, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Again, we can become very selfish and self-centered. But if we're going to live in the Spirit, we've got to keep step with the Spirit. How do you know what the Spirit is? How do you know what the Spirit wants? How do you keep step with the Spirit? That's it. That's why I said that we've got to look at what God wants in our lives. Busyness is another reason. Busyness is another roadblock. What keeps you from being connected to God his plans, what God is doing, what God wants to do in your life and through your life, what, he's, what he wants to do with our church, what, what's, what's keeping you? One of the things is busyness. I've, I've preached this many times in this church before, but I believe that's one of the greatest roadblocks to the American church today because in our lives as Americans, we are so busy. I, I mean, it, 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 it's come to the place where the church which again is the kingdom of God, which we're all eternally a part of, right? Let's remember the bigger picture. All of us are a part of God's eternal kingdom. This temporal kingdom that we're all a part of in our jobs, with our stuff, is temporal. The bigger, more important thing is the kingdom of God. But what we begin to do as Americans is live our lives and build our lives around this temporal kingdom. So much so that the church, many churches today, look at what they can do in the world for the kingdom of God based off the temporal schedule of people in the world. That's what happens. It used to not be that way in America. It used to be the church was the center. The, 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 when I say church, I'm talking about this building. I'm talking about the people, the church, what the church was doing, trying to reach, trying to disciple, worship God. The church was the center of everything. At one point in time in America, can you believe that there used to be a board of pastors, of advisors, that Hollywood have to bring movies through before they were approved? The church had influence. The church had impact. But somewhere along the way, the church began to eat at the table of the world again, I believe, and lost its hunger for the things of God and the spiritual things. And so we began to get a little bit softer and, and, and less imp the things of God less important. And so now... The world tells the church, you can't do anything on that day because we've got tournaments. You can't do anything on that day because we've got this activity. You can't do anything on that day because we've got these, these, these events that have to happen, and it's the only time they have to happen. We've got graduation. We've got games. We've got all this kind of stuff. And the church is at a place now where we say, well, it's our only option. And I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I'm just saying that's the reality of the world we live in. We've made our lives so busy. We're so busy 
And here we have our king who left his throne and took on flesh and shed his blood to purchase us in a way that no one else could. And we stay disconnected from what he wants. We stay disconnected from what he's planning because we're so busy. Roadblocks to being connected with God and the things of God. And then there's just outright rebellion. Rebellion. Again, ultimately, sin has crept in in some form. But the last thing, and I want to try to hurry through this, is skewed spiritual vision. That's kind of what I was mentioning in the very beginning of the service. Sometimes God is blessing others in a way that's eventually going to bless you directly. God is, God is blessing somebody else that in turn is going to bless you in an abundant way. But maybe you see their blessings and it causes you to become jealous or prideful or selfish or self-centered or rebellious. And you stay disconnected from what God wants for you to do in their life. You stay disconnected from what God wants you to do in his plan. And you miss these amazing blessings that God would have flowed into your life had you rejoiced in them, had you been a part of what God was doing. But you miss out. You say, we always have bad in our family. Always have bad in my life. Man, rejoice in others count it all joy when you fall into diverse sins. It's not enjoyable, but count it joy. God's doing something. He's got a plan. Sometimes when our spiritual vision has been skewed, our ability to see things from a proper spiritual perspective, of course, is messed up, but that affects us to our ability to rightly choose and act. Right? When you don't see things rightly, it's hard to react or to act rightly. We don't get why the things of God seem like such a big deal to some people compared to what goes on in our life. Maybe that's what you experience. Maybe you look at what's going on in your life and you're like, it's not supernatural. It's just kind of, eh, I'm going to go to church. and Again, disconnect, roadblocks. Something's happening. When then you see other people, new Christians, people uh, getting excited about things of God, and you look at them and you're like, eh. They'll fizzle out eventually. Why do, we, why do we look at it like that? Why don't we say, man, I remember when I used to be that on fire for the Lord. Man, I remember when it used to be that fresh and exciting for me. God, stir my heart again. God, help me, help your, your stuff, the things that you're doing and that you want to do in this life, help it be fresh in my life again. And we see the plans of God, the things of God, important only as it affects us in our eternal destination well, I know I'm going to heaven. I've got my cell phone. It works for me. Again, roadblocks come in our lives that keep us from experiencing, please listen, the truly abundant life in Christ that he's ordained us to have. The abundant life is not stuff in this temporal world. The abundant life is something that only he can give to his people. And it only comes to those who are connected to him and his kingdom in a right way. That's how you can look at people like Paul and Jesus. That's how you can look out even in our church sometimes. People are going through catastrophic things and how are they still? They're here every time and they're trying to witness to people and they're smiling and they're raising their hands and praising God and they have a joy because they're living an abundant life even in the midst of great tragedy. It's what Jesus promised. I give to them life and life more abundant. 
pray this morning that if these things have crept in, if you can identify them, or maybe it's that spiritual dryness, that, that disconnect that you say, man, that's me. I don't experience the things of God, namely the church, what the church is doing, what God wants to do with the church in the future. I don't experience them like I'm a part of the team. I experience them like a fan. I mean, I feel like I just kind of show up and, and, and stuff's going on. And I don't really know what's happening and, and I don't feel necessarily a great a part of it. I pray that you'll do something today. That you'll repent. As I've had to do in my life before. Where you, you come to a place where you realize maybe I'm going through the motions. Maybe, maybe I've allowed some of these roadblocks to to hinder my connection with the Lord and his people? The only option is to repent. Is to say, Lord, stir my heart for you again. God, stir my heart for your people. God, stir my heart for what you're doing for your kingdom. God, I don't want to be so wrapped up in, in me, myself, and I, and my own, and my stuff, and my family, and, and, and my job, and my money. And, and, and all, I don't want to be wrapped up in all these things that I miss these amazing blessings in other people's lives and in your kingdom for eternity. Don't be a fan. Be a part. I promise you, you'll find that's where the abundant life is. We see the victories in the kingdom of God. I'll just be honest with you. There were some, some victories over this, this, this past week uh, in this temporal world that I was excited about. But guess what? I didn't play one play. A fan. But we're a part of this family together. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And it's our choice whether we show up and are a part of the practice, a part of the games, a part of what God is doing that matters for eternity. That's up to you. I can't make you do it. You can't make me do it. We've got to all make a choice. He's placed you in his family for that reason. And as I said a minute ago, I'm closing. If you're disconnected because you've never been connected to the Lord, then I pray that what I've been talk about, talking about you'll consider being a part of God's family. Back in that text in John chapter 14 that we looked at before, um, Jesus said that he's the only way, that no man comes to the Father except for through him. And so if you've never been connected to him, you've never given your life to Christ, I can't think of a better time than to give your life to Christ than on the very first Sunday of a brand new year. What, what, a, way to, what a way to mark it. What a way to look at a fresh, talk about a fresh start. The Bible says that, that when we get saved, it says, Behold, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's a fresh start. What that means is all of your sins wiped away because of the blood of Christ. That means that the, 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 the death, the condemnation, the judgment you were headed to for all of eternity, it was placed on Jesus Christ. He took it for you. And if you will give your life to him, he will give eternal life to you. It's faith. That's what faith is. Trust, surrender, it's all the same. If you've never done that, I urge you, please do that. And Christians, what if this was your last year on earth? Think about that. What if this was 2019, your last year? That's it. God told you, I'm giving you one more year. 
and this is the year that you have. Would that change how you are a part of what God's doing at TBT and through TBT? Would it change? You say, no? Well, maybe, but negatively, maybe. I mean, if I knew this was the last year, where does your heart go? Where does your heart go when you think a question like that? Does your heart go like this? If I knew this was my last year, oh, man, I would go see this place, and I would, I would, go, I would go skydiving, and I would, uh, man, I would go experience this. What, does it all go earthly? Or if you, if you consider that question, what if this was your last year? Do you go the other way? I, I would go pl- beg and plead with my family. I, I would go beg and plead with my neighbors to please trust Christ before it's too late. I would, I would try to tell everybody I could, my coworkers. I would be more devoted to the Lord. I would, I would, I, I would try to get rid of everything that I have in my life, uh, all, all the money, everything, and, and, and I would try to give it so the Lord's cause would go further. I, I would try to give it to the poor and, and, and to the orphans and to the widows. I, I, would, I would try to get rid of everything. Is that where your life goes? It's like, uh-oh, no. When I considered my, my last year on life, that's, I, I went to the, I want to see the Grand Canyon and, and New York City and, and, and I want to go skydiving and, and, and I, want to, I want to hunt a, a buffalo and I want to do this and do that. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but what has our heart? What do we most want to be a part of? This is the last year we have on earth. I want it to be used up for the king. I want to be used up for the king, and I hope that you do too. I want to see God do something amazing. I urge you, decide what you're going to do. Determine to look with spiritual eyes. Determine to be connected, because it matters. It matters in eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this reminder this morning, the challenge that you've given to me. Thank you for the challenge you've given to our church. I pray that you would just help us respond rightly. Lord, I pray our hearts would be moved closer to you, and they would be moved closer to you together as a body, as a family. Lord, just move now in this invitation. I pray your spirit works, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.